Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs. On this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. What's happening? <laughs> we we have had a bowl full of guests today. Oh, so, it's been just pure delight. Um, it's yeah. it's been Lots so fun. fun. And we started off today uh, with from Jill Donovan, and what um, a delight! She is just amazing. Just just pure uh, dessert. I mean, <laughs> we uh, um, one encourager. She's a great gal. Oh, just such an interesting story. I would have never guessed it. Uh, we met her at yes. a John Maxwell conference, and and I what was most outstanding was her shoes. Really, every day we look forward to what is she going to wear tomorrow. I mean, shoes you see in a magazine. Uh, I mean, I don't know. And she yeah. gifted us. Yes. I don't think regifted, but no, she she, didn't she gifted us a cuff, a, a bracelet Beautiful when we were bracelet. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just you know just such a delight to to get to spend some time with her I think the one of the most amazing things and I'm a little fearful <laughs> that she's going to send me a harmonica I think you're going to get one in the mail I, and they'll find out about that I, harmonica when they listen really uh, <laughs> she picks a a new a new thing or a new hobby to, to learn. learn every year every January I thought that is looking a great for her passion goal. I'm uh-huh. thinking so wow. So interesting, mm-hmm. and and I told her never in my life would I want to, mm-hmm. you know, put on the list how to do how to play a harmonica. No, not on my uh, list. <laughs> I do. I have I have had on my list to play piano, mm-hmm. um, but you know my piano is in storage, so there's no piano playing for me. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. It's I, in storage. No, I'm just hoping I could just, you know, insert some kind of chip oh. and then my fingers would just be able to play oh, the piano. Wow. One of those player ones like the old time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can do all kinds of things these days. They but can. you know, she brings to us, you know, what passion and enthusiasm the impact it can have on your life. Absolutely. To just get up every day mm-hmm. and say, what what is the new Thing mm-hmm. that I can do. I, I, I'm a short-term burst of energy, but by about my, well, it depends on what it is. If it's yeah. exercise, <laughs> by about February, um, I'm already thinking, I'm already skipping half the, yeah. half the things that I want to do. But, you know, to make it all 12 months with learning toward that is... Yeah, staying on that one goal. You're very goal-oriented, Marcel, and have accomplished so much, and and yet she was tenacity. Uh-huh. What an example Tenacious. of tenaciousness she is. Right. And then she would come up with a new one. <laughs> and so, uh, but she is just so fun, and uh, they will truly enjoy her, be inspired, I think. I think so, uh, too. And learn, learn right. something from I think her. so, too. Mm-hmm. And I, being a big, I love to give gifts, and so uh, she has some fun stories we won't spoil uh, regarding <laughs> yeah. gifts and re-gifting. Um, 
kind of tragedy and happiness. Yeah. But being someone who loves to have a closet ready mm-hmm. with some kind of gifts, I um, definitely and completely think that she's going to be worth the next few minutes of, of our audience her. time. Yeah. Today, Marcel welcomes Jill Donovan, founder of Rustic Cuff. There are two simple but strong words that describe Jill Donovan perfectly, passionate and purposeful. Founder of Rustic Cuff and author of The Kindness Effect, Jill graduated from Oral Roberts University and went on to earn her law degree from the University of Tulsa. She is married to Terry, her college sweetheart, and has two beautiful daughters. Jill was a practicing attorney and adjunct law professor at TU when her passion for cuff bracelets and her need to refill her gift closet led her to begin Rustic Cuff. The brand has evolved into multiple showroom locations, over 150 employees, and a very strong, loving social media fan base that feel a true connection with her. Her cuffs are regularly featured on multiple national TV shows and can be seen on the wrists of many celebrities such as Miranda Lambert, Gail King, and even her all-time favorite singer, Michael Bublé. Jill's heart for people and community has spilled over into this amazing company. Rustic Cuff has been able to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to communities and charitable causes and hosted an annual black tie event that raised more money for the National Pancreatic Foundation than any other event in its history. From a very young age, Jill has met life with humor and zeal. Her determination to be well-rounded led her to challenge herself to master a new talent every year. Whether it is learning a new language, tap dancing, ice skating, or simply setting a goal for herself that to some may seem unreachable. One thing is for certain, Jill is a walking example of living out the quote, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Jill is a sought after motivational speaker who encourages people to pursue their passions, fulfill their God-given purpose, and always pay it forward. She is often heard saying, you truly can change your world one act of kindness at a time. Hi. Hi, Jill. How are you all? I'm good. We, we were just talking about fat and donuts. Oh, both of those I love. I know. Wait, did you say fat? Uh, yes, I did say fat. Imagine that. No, I only like donuts, not fat. Oh, well. oh, I'm going to work on that. I'll see if I can get that done. <laughs> I'm so excited about getting to talk to you this morning. This is this is my favorite part of podcast is just getting to talk to lots of people. And you made such an impression, impression on me at the uh, Maxwell uh, conference that, you know, I've been super excited about, you know, just get to spend a few minutes, you know, discussing yeah. things. Well, I'm honored that you asked me to do it. Very honored. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Um, you and know, I'm sorry is... about your, I'm so sorry about your dad. Oh, thank <laughs> you. It's been um, a hard few weeks. Uh, he, he was, um, 
you know, completely, he went to Chick-fil-A on the 31st, you know, New Year's Eve, drove there. I mean, he, he was driving until like three months, well, two months ago, he was driving all over Dallas, probably shouldn't have been, let's just say that. Right. We just had a long discussion um, a couple months ago. He, he ran into the back of someone and just decided it was time maybe he just restrict himself to chick-fil-a and whataburger and right he he was 88 but um he uh was a funny alert man it's really hard to see someone who's so very sharp to just uh their body just can continually disintegrate however the man never did one healthy thing in his whole entire life (laughs) and he lived and he lived to be 88 that's that's what i tell my children when they're eating all those kale chips i said your grandfather lived on bologna and vienna sausages and beanie winnies (laughs) yeah I, that's funny so you know y'all go ahead and eat that stuff uh not that (laughs) not that I'm against it understand exactly you know I always like to start off the interview by having you just tell us a little bit about your journey and and you can start at whatever age you want to I've had people (laughs) start from birth uh, okay and you can start at whatever age you want and just kind of Tell us about what brought you to where you are today. Okay. Well, I will start. I won't start at birth. I'll start at nine. <laughs> okay. I'll jump up. I'll jump up to nine. Um, at, at nine, the journey began. Well, actually, it didn't begin at nine, but I had always wanted to be a gymnast. Oh, wow. And an Olympic gymnast. Oh. In my, in my head, I was really good. I was, a, <laughs> I was an amazing gymnast. But... But in all actuality, I was a, a very average gymnast, but <laughs> I began to tell myself the story that I could go to the Olympics. Why not? Why and not? What if I, why not? And what if I could? Oh. So there was a point when I was close to 10 that as there is uh, in all of our lives, when we tell ourselves something that might be not true, that somebody comes and gives us a reality check <laughs> and... That was Eric, my coach. And I was, I was going four to five times a week. I was part of the team. I had a pass. Nadia Comaneci was my, uh, was my hero. And I had a big poster of her on my wall. (laughs) And I just knew that that's what I was destined for. And Eric pulled me aside at nine and told me that he, he just needed to be really honest with me and that I didn't have what it would take to make it to the further levels in gymnastics. And perhaps I should pursue a different path. And (laughs) I, I'll never forget. I went home that day in tears because that was my life. Yeah. And my parents were the parents that were, you know, dropping you off after school, picking you up three hours later, four hours later, just, and I, I was really, I think in my heart, I knew that, that I didn't have what it took, but And that, that is because I just was not uh, flexible. I just, I was never, I could never get my splits. And I don't think you can do Olympics if you can't get splits. So uh, I, I went home that day and in tears, but something rose up with inside of me. And I said, if I can't pursue the dream of being an Olympian, then I will 
starting at 10, my birthday's at the very begin first week of the year, starting at 10, I'm going to choose a new hobby. And for one year, I will focus on that hobby alone, just that hobby. And I will change it every January until I find the thing that God has purposed and created me to do. Oh, wow. Well, at 10. And so at 10, <laughs> I, I, right. It was just at the end of my ninth year because I had focused all of my attention on gymnastics. Oh. And I thought, why not just try everything now instead of one thing? Yeah. And so I did that starting at 10 for 365 days. Oh, well, I would pray at the end of December mm-hmm. uh, that God would give me um just the direction and the right idea I know that sounds like I was a super mature nine-year-old I really wasn't don't don't be mistaken I was but but I at 10 my very first hobby was my my I have my mom and dad are Jewish and as far back as you go they two two generations ago they all came from Russia so I had this burning desire to learn Russian (laughs) at 10 and I know and that again sounds like I was a very mature 10 year old. Yes. But that, that, but I wasn't, I mean, my, my parents can attest to that. So (laughs) I learned Russian every single day for hours. I would study Russian. I was determined to become fluent in Russian. Uh, I loved it. I was obsessed with it, but I knew that in 365 days, I would then start something new unless I was supposed to stick on that one thing. And so I did that. I, for years and years and years, every January, I would begin a brand new hobby. And let me tell you, this been, I'm 51 this year and it has been 41 years of new hobbies every year. And every time I start a new hobby, I look back and I think, well, thank you, Eric, for, because of <laughs> Eric telling me the truth, I got to explore this amazing journey that God has taken me on of doing new hobbies. So those hobbies ranged from, oh my goodness, one year I bought a harmonica in January and I taught myself the harmonica and I thought, could is God calling me to be a professional harmonica player? And never I take in my it, life, Jill. Never <laughs> in my life would that have been on my list. <laughs> no, no, you, you never know. I mean, you'll probably pick up the harmonica starting this week, and you'll become way better than I ever. Oh was. my goodness! But so every every year, I mean, one year it was ice skating, one year <laughs> it was cooking, and I kept saying, God, if you want me to stick on this, is this if this is your calling? So this happened every single year and brought me such joy because I realized I, it opened up a whole new world for a year of new people, new, new passions. And I I was so grateful for the no that Eric gave me. Mm-hmm. And so um, then years into it, I, one year I thought, well, I'm going to, I mean, it really was going to be just this hobby, hobby. I'm just going to go to law school. Well, you know, you find out law school is not, it's not, not one, year. one year. That's right. No, not one year. <laughs> So it was a it was a three year journey. Actually, for me, uh, it was a four year journey because it it was part time, uh, and then it went into full time. But that I, once I got into that, I thought, is this my calling, God? My dad was an attorney. My grandfather was. Is this my calling? And I got into it, and that was not my calling. Meanwhile, every year I just said, God, what do you have for me this year? So uh, one year, I really felt like the hot and every. I say hobby, but sometimes it was just this really amazing, fun goal. And I, um, one year I thought I want to go to the Oprah Winfrey show before she retires. And I want to sit in her audience (laughs) and just, that's, that's my goal. And I knew it was going to take me a while because I had heard that it's very difficult to get a ticket. 
And and so, have you ever been? I've not. I've not. Okay. But I I love what Oprah Winfrey has done, and you know, yeah. stand in amazement of just the goals that she's reached herself. Well, that's what I had been thinking, and I thought if I'm looking for what my I called it my get to, like find you know, like what is my get to? What is that thing I get to do? Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to be around somebody who knew what they were purposed to do. Mm-hmm. And whether Oprah knew the Lord or not, I, I don't know, but I knew she was in the middle of what she was called to do because she was so excellent at it. And I just wanted to, to be there to watch mm-hmm. it. So the journey of getting a ticket did not last a year. It lasted four years. It was, it's, wow. I mean, I just couldn't get a ticket. It was a, the very height of her, um, just her Popular. popularity. You couldn't get a ticket. So after I went on to practice law and continued to try to get a ticket, four years into it, I thought there's got to be a way, another way to just get, to sit in the audience Mm -hmm. before she retires. And I got online just to search if I could figure out a way. And when I pulled up her website, this one particular time, it said, do you want to be on the show? And I thought, (laughs) okay, well, how did I not think of that a long time ago to even look for that? And I was determined that anything on that list of her, you know, she had five things that you could be on the show for, that one of those was going to match something in my life. I didn't, as long as it wasn't illegal, I was going to make it fit what she was looking for. Because <laughs> your new and hobby so, would be that for the year, right? Yes, so? that's, exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, see how good, how good you are at that hobby thing already. <laughs> for sure. When you pick up the harmonica. Oh, week. my gosh. So I, I got to hear so, more of these years because that's not on it. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, she um, she so the very first thing on her list of to be on the show was the question is said, are you a regifter? If so, write and tell us your stories. Well, I grew up in a home where my my mom wouldn't let us go to the store I have three brothers to, to buy gifts for our friends for their birthdays. We had to go to my mom's regifting closet. So <laughs> where you would have, where you would have sheets and linens and things like that. My mom had a closet that was filled with gifts. She had been given over the last decade <laughs> and she made us choose from her closet. Oh my God. Well, I mean, <clears throat> every year I didn't know what it was like to go to a birthday party and be proud of the <laughs> gift that I bought. I would, I would go hide when it was time to open the gifts because it, it was always stuff that was not age appropriate. It was always two decades ahead of me. So Oprah now was looking for somebody like me. And of course, because I had taken on this wonderful uh, talent of regifting, uh, that I had funny stories about how I'd gotten caught and I'd just gotten married actually. And my mother-in-law had given me a gift and I, I just sometimes have not a good short-term memory or long-term <laughs> memory for that matter. And I gave it right back to my mother-in-law when it was her birthday. And just, so I just sat down at my desk. I was practicing law and I wrote Oprah this letter, just two or three funny yeah. stories, hit send. Two hours later, Maria, or my secretary called me and she said, Jill, Maria from the Oprah show is on the phone oh, wow. uh, and she wants to talk to you. And I thought to myself, I haven't told a single soul that I sent that email. So I knew nobody was pranking <laughs> yeah. me and I, I picked up the phone and I said, um, hi, this is Jill. And she said, Jill, this is Maria. We just got your email. We just read your email. We loved it. We want to fly out to Tulsa tomorrow and film your gift closet for a show we're doing about <laughs> etiquette. 
<laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the moment that God is going to tell me this is what I'm called to do. I didn't know, but I just knew everything was sort of falling into place. Yeah. And they flew out to Tulsa, filmed the gift, filmed the whole gift closet. It was very fun. They took the uh, film back to Chicago, called me the next day and said, we loved it so much. We want to fly you and your husband to sit in the, uh, to Chicago, to sit in the front row. You won't be interviewed, but she will play the tape and Oprah will thank you for being here. <laughs> and I thought, uh, that's all I ever wanted was just, just to sit, sit in, in the, the audience. audience. <laughs> yeah. So we fly, we fly out there right before the show starts. And I felt so, they had done my makeup. I mean, it was like a big deal. Yeah. It was a really big deal for me. And right before the show started, they said, um, uh, Oprah, uh, Oprah wants you to sit on stage, and be her first oh. guest. So you're going to tell all your stories on the stage oh, for 15 minutes. And I thought, oh, well, okay, God, here we go. <laughs> this is, I mean, 20 million people. I mean, I was just going to sit. All I wanted to be was in the yeah. audience. But I just walked up on the stage and sat there and Oprah sat down next to me. And it was a bit surreal mm -hmm. because it all happened within a little over 48 hours. It just happened so fast. And uh, the show started. They aired the clip. And then it was funny. It was just fun. Yeah. and. And Oprah looked at me and she said, well, what do you think about, um, about regifting now that you've been exposed to the world? How do you feel? And I started to talk. And then she said, well, let's go to the etiquette experts we have here today <laughs> and let's see, let's see what they yeah. think. Well, I was like, oh my goodness, these etiquette experts, they had talked to me before the show. They were just so fun. Yeah. And, and so they looked at me and then they looked out at the audience, which was there were 300 people in the audience, but it was going to air to 20 million people. And they said, well, Oprah, and they're smiling as they're saying this. And they said, we think that Jill is just tacky uh -huh. and that's rude what she's doing. And she needs to give that whole closet to Goodwill. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, I was so shocked that I actually thought they were joking. Oh. And then I, because I thought they were going to say, just kidding. We love her. She's so cute. <laughs> she's fun. And they never said that. And they kept wow. going. They said, it's just wrong. It's like she's lying. It's just rude, Oprah. And I, and you know the feeling that when somebody gives you news that you're so shocked, you can't even blink your right. eyes because you think you're going to cry? Right. Well, I sat there just stunned. Couldn't tell a single story. Tried to defend Aww. myself. And, and anyhow, long story short, it, it ended just as soon as it began. And, um, and I went back and sat in my seat and, and, and that was it. Oh. And I thought, there's no way this can air. And God, why would you bring me to sit on the stage uh -huh. just to take me to this mountaintop and then the lowest valley? Right. Like why, why I would just, why couldn't I have just sat in the audience? Yeah. So I, I, I begged them not to air it, but it was going to air shortly, like in a few weeks. I w I left the show, went with my husband to, um, this pizza place in Chicago. And I, I had this one moment of clarity, one, you know, when you go through a really hard time and then sometimes you have a moment of clarity and then everything else goes back to fog. I had this moment of clarity as I sat in Gino's pizza and I said out loud, I said to my husband, Terry, I said, I do not know why God would take me from the highest mountain to the lowest Valley in a matter of, you know, two days. But I have this very strong feeling that someday I will know the purpose of this pain and this embarrassment uh -huh. right now. I, and then, then, then it went black. And so I, I went home, took every single gift from that closet, 
put it in a trash oh. bag, gave it to Terry and said, I don't ever want to open this closet oh. again. And, um, and, and so, for, and then it aired three times that year. Wow. And every time it aired, it was worse than what, what I had remembered. And um, at the time I was teaching law. And so I took a sabbatical from teaching law, had two little oh. girls. And I said, I don't want to ever do a hobby again. I, I don't ever, I don't even care. I will never watch Oprah again. And I don't want to ever open this closet again because my dreaming of finding this passion, if it landed me on a stage to be embarrassed and no fault of Oprah, it's just how it happened, but stage in front of 20 million people to be embarrassed that I have to do with any of that again. And for five years, I just sort of shut down this little girl who had these dreams and desires every year to start something new. So five years later, I was laying in bed one night and I really felt impressed that I was supposed to forgive these two girls who I felt stole my dream of just this joyous moment of maybe finding my get to this thing I get to do. And I woke up in bed. I just sat up in bed and I said, I, I forget they were from Canada. So I just said, I forgive Canada, like the whole country. I just said, <laughs> I forgive Canada. And just anyone who's there. Right? What's that? Uh, what's that? Just anyone who Anybody, lives in Canada. Any you just Canadian. That's right. I forgive any Canadian. <laughs> and so the minute I did that, I felt, I just felt like this thing lift off of me and I felt the desire to open the door again, this closet that had been mm -hmm. completely empty for five years. And I, mm -hmm. I said a prayer and I said, God, would you give me an idea of something I could create to put in that closet that I can start regifting to people? And the idea came to me. Uh, I had, I'd been a collector of bracelets because I had worked at American airlines and traveled the, the country and the world mm -hmm. Uh, because I had these flight privileges and I collected a bracelet in every country I would go to. And the idea came to me at that moment when I said, I forgive Canada to teach myself how to make bracelets and put words on there that I wished I would have had on my wrist when I was going through this five-year drought. And wow. I went back to my back bedroom that night. It was like two o'clock in the morning and back to the guest bedroom. And I just started searching and Googling everything I could on how to make bracelets. And for the next four months, didn't tell anybody, but I would put my kids to bed and I would, I would be so passionate about making bracelets that I would forget that I had children or that I would forget everything. I know that's awful. <laughs> like my kids would come in in the morning. I would be up all night long and they'd be like in their plaid skirts for school. And, and, and like, and I'd be like, why are you in plaid again? And they'd say, it's time to go to school, mom. But I was, you know, if you get this desire in your heart, it just sometimes overtakes you. Well, I filled the closet, filled it to overflowing with cups. Oh, and um, I didn't want a business. I just wanted to start handing them to people as, as I felt com uh, inspired. To, it wasn't just anybody. It was when I uh, might call it my knower, but when I just would look at somebody and say, that's the person. And so I did not want to do that because it felt uncomfortable to go to strangers and do that. So I went to uh, the grocery yeah. store and walked in. I put I had put four bracelets on my left wrist that I was going to try to give away because I felt so that's what I was supposed to do. And I went over at this girl standing at the cash register where she was checking people out. I felt like that was her. And I thought, okay, I'll just get it over with so I can uh -huh. get back home and keep making me. And I thought, okay, Jill, just get this over with and then you can go. And I didn't even look down. I just reached on my wrist 
when I got up to the front of the line and I handed this bracelet to her and I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And um, oh. immediately she started to cry. And she said, um, wow. I've never seen you before. She said this to me. And she said, but uh, this is crazy because yesterday I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, mm -hmm. in the doctor's office, when I got my diagnosis, I, uh, I was praying that God would give me a sign of hope that everything was going to be okay. And I looked down at her wrist and it's this pink bracelet that I had taken off to give to her. And then she was still crying and said, um, I, I want to thank you for being the sign of hope for me. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's from amazing. that moment on, I got in my car and I said, this is what I was destined to do every single day. Mm -hmm. And I flashed back five years to that Gina's pizza moment of clarity that someday I would know why I had to go through all of that when I could have just been in the audience. And I said, I now mm -hmm. see if it's just for this one girl, I see purpose in that pain. And I just determined from that day on, I would, that's all I would do. I would make them and give them away. And then the more I did that, the more people wanted to come and they wanted to buy them and they just, and I would spend my time doing this. And so this little, this little desire of just starting a hobby grew into this company. I then had to hire, I mean, I, within four years, I had, I had to hire 200 people, like literally 200 people to help make, make, uh, sell. Every, um, and every day. Yeah. I, that is the long story to your very first short question. That's a wonderful story. And I have, you know, a story for you. Um, I've, I've had a hard few weeks the last, really since December. And I was diagnosed oh with breast goodness. cancer in December. And I just last week, I, or it seems like last week, uh, went to have an MRI, which really, um, a breast MRI is like being in a guillotine, I would tell you, uh, and people should expect it. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but I, the first thing you have to do is you have to go in a room and, and of course you have to strip and take off all your clothes. And I happened to have on a bracelet. Unfortunately, mm. it wasn't a plastic <laughs> cuff. However, the, the woman who feels very comfortable to be in the room with you, you know, changing clothes. And then once you take off your clothes and you have this beautiful gown on, um, she looked at my cuff because she was telling me I had to take off all my jewelry, anything that could be metal. And she went, oh, my goodness, is that a rusted cuff? And I thought to myself, in just a few days, I am going to be interviewing Jill from Rustic Cuff. And, and I said, no, it happens to be another brand. And she said, I said, but however, I'm interviewing her. And she was like, tell her I love everything she does. And I, I buy everything she does. I thought at first she might have known you. Uh, but I thought, uh, just as you were telling this story, you have blessed many people that you have wow. never met um, and bless them in, in critical places because this is not a happy yeah. place uh, for women that are going into this 
um, big university. I, I was happened to go to a big university hospital here in the Dallas area. And so um, it's, it's a scary time and a hard time, but to have one little person say something of hope is um, just one, it, it's that reminder. Mm. And of course, I'm person of faith um that you know god is in there with me um even when you think he isn't so you are reaching out and and touching lives um that you probably never thought you would in in just a distance wow. so i want to say thank you for that today jill well thank you for sharing that I, um, and yeah. thank you for the story yeah so wow. uh it, it's it, it's a, a crazy thing how if we can take the hard mm. things in our lives and make them for good instead of making them, you know, the showstopper yeah. um, to have the, the the beginning of a new journey. So so when you um, when you look at this, uh, and you're based in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, is right? That- Tulsa. Okay. Tulsa is Oklahoma, yes, it is correct? Oklahoma, yes. But I can understand that a lot of people might not know that. So we sh- I definitely should clarify. Yes, Tulsa is in Oklahoma. It's a great little place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tulsa is a beautiful city and most people don't even quite know where Oklahoma exactly. is on the map some days. Um, but uh, it's real close, you know, certainly it's real close to where I live, north of the Dallas area. When, when you... Um, when you look at this journey, I mean, I don't, you didn't say what your undergraduate degree is uh, before you decided your hobby would be law school. It was communications, which really means you just, you could get any job where you could talk. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what it was. My parents wanted me to get like a, a practical, like accounting or so I could just do anything. You've given us a great example of some, a difficult time, but are there mistakes that you, you think you could have <laughs> changed or done differently or, you know, uh, show mm. some wisdom to other people so they won't fall right in that same <clears throat> hole? That's a great question. Um, one of the, the, probably one of the biggest things I learned um, was that just because you can do something or if you have the capability doesn't mean that it is your calling. <laughs> so, um, so it. There were a lot of things when I first started Rustic Cuff because it grew really, really fast. Um, I didn't, it was not what I wanted to do, but it just sort of, it took off in a, in a very viral, very viral way that basically I just thought, well, because we can do it, Uh let's do it. And, and I learned, and sometimes you suffer the consequences for years um, that just because you can do something does not mean mm. that you should do it. You should only do that which God is actually directing your steps to do. Mm-hmm. It is not all out there for you to do everything just because you can. And so starting the company, I just thought it was it's free for all. I can do whatever I want as far as buy, make, sell, (laughs) advertise, whatever, and didn't realize it needed to be reined in in such a way that my steps should only, I should only take the next step that God was asking me to do, not, not just because I could. So that was probably the, the biggest lesson. The second biggest lesson was I'd never had employees. I never wanted employees. I had children and that was plenty. (laughs) I didn't. And you had two daughters. That is certainly plenty. Yes. Your daughters. (laughs) And, and now I realize 
it is so key, so critical who you mm-hmm. surround yourself with. It is life or death practice to your company. If you get a little teeny bit of poison, it can spread to people who were not poisonous before. And it can make you not even want to come into your own office and your home, your home away from home because of one person out of a hundred. And it is so critical to know who you are bringing into your family at work that uh, I cannot stress that enough. And then on the flip side of that is when you do discover that you hired wrong or that you made a misstep, swiftness in saying goodbye is key. And I am I do not like confrontation and I am kind. I want to be kind to people because I realize these people have families and this is their livelihood. But the quicker you cut something off that you know is not right, even if you suffer at the moment, uh, it, it, oh, I, I delayed so many things I should have done um, much right then. And you don't know, you don't really learn it until you go through it, but at least they are hearing right. me say that and maybe that will save them. Uh, sometime. The best advice I got when I started Rustic Cuff was run to the mountain so you can get on the other side of it. If you stand there and stare at it, it's not going anywhere. Just run to it so you can swiftly get to um, the other side. That's, um, yes, that's great advice, truly, and, and so, so very true these days. So I, yeah. I know you probably had great mentors along the way. Um you know, so tell us about people who, and, and if you have any very specific examples, that would be great. People who've helped you, advised you, uh, supported you. I wish I could say, Marcel, that I had great mentors along the way. My husband um, would have been one because he's just as filled with wisdom. Um, and then one of our one of our close friends. But I did not have somebody that I could go to in business to say, how do I manage this thing that is growing out of my control? I I didn't have anybody. I didn't know anybody that was in the same boat. And for maybe eight years, as this is, we're going into our 10th year, but for eight years, I, it was listening to podcasts, um, trying to get some wisdom from people who maybe were in similar situations, but I had never met anybody in this particular situation. And I don't know how really, I, I cry when I think about it because I don't know how I made it through without having somebody other than my husband. And I had all my friends at work. Uh-huh. I hired so many friends, but that's not so much of a mentor situation. So now in the last year, um, there have been a lot of people who have come across my path I started praying for really great mm-hmm. connections and um, met people I'd never known before who had been all, almost where I had been or had had more experience than anybody I had met. And God brings different people to your life in different seasons. And so um, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that now. And the truth is, I just listen. I listen to podcasts. I listen to as many people as I can to try to just glean a little bit of wisdom from their less from the lessons they have right. learned right so. well in many ways that ends up being a way that you are mentoring yourself by listening to other people's wisdom you mentioned you have two children and mm-hmm. i know from your bio you married your college sweetheart and 
it appears yeah. that you, you know, stayed married, which is always hard in business. Tell me, uh, and I'm not a person, I, <laughs> I I hate to say the word balance because I, I really don't believe in balance. I think you're never really balanced. It's a life <laughs> of averages where, you know, sometimes work yes. wins and sometimes home wins, but it's <clears throat> never really, um, you know, 50-50. And to try to achieve that, you just make yourself insane. But do you I have agree. any pearls of wisdom how you have, have you walked through that raising children and, and staying married and trying to have relationships? I too have a very difficult time with thinking there's no way you can balance, be great at balancing all of this. Nobody who is overwhelmed, um, not overwhelmed, but who has a, a full family and who has a full work life. It's just, there's no great answer. I've never heard a great answer on <laughs> right. how to do it. Um, so it's, it's everybody doing it individually. But what I, what I learned is that if, if I make it so instead of this over here and that over there, and if I just make it in my heart where it's my whole life that you just merge it all together um, where my kids feel welcome here and it's not this mm -hmm. separate thing, then I don't feel so guilty because you there's a there's guilt there's I mean it, when you run a company it's it can be overwhelming because you everything stops with you and but yet you have this family that you love and adore and your mm -hmm. relationships outside of that that you're trying to maintain because these are your right. these are your people and I just at, at one point in the beginning of Rustic Cuff I just said I can't do it I, I something is go one plate that is spinning is going to fall and I just thought, I'm bringing it all together. It's all my, it's my whole world together. It's a little bit like being in college. You have this whole academic life that you're trying to keep up and your friends. And it just winds up merging to be your college mm -hmm. experience. And so that's just my perspective and how I decided to look at it, that my family and my work, I was just going to just make it all part of life together. And, and I don't always win in that mm -hmm. some days. You give, you know, more of your attention to one and it should be the other. But I think, I think since I've now seen it just, just sort of all in my arms together, I, I don't feel as guilty or like the separate worlds. Does yes. That, does that and I, I actually think that's a really, I, I can say that in my own life and I had a really large company till, uh, till about two years ago and then I'm insane. And so I started a couple more. Um, but, but having, I, I mean, I raised my children, I have lots of female executives. And so it was all intertwined. And I feel like that was, that was really best. Um, I got a call from one of my, I have four sons and a daughter. So I, I that's why I said wow. two daughter, one daughter is, you know, filled our, filled our world. Um, but uh, yeah, just lots of children. Um, and they are just been the delight of my life. But one of my sons who has gone into business this last couple of years and he called me this morning and said, um, you know, mom, I was just trying to, I've decided trying to get a hold of you early is the best time. And, and I said, well, honey, it's a little harder to get a hold of you these days than me. And he said, well, mom, the one memory I have of being junior high or teenage years was that when you would get home, you were always on the phone. And I thought, 
wow, she uh, has a lot of, when you pull up in the garage, she has a lot of people to talk to. And so <laughs> he said, I guess I kind of related talking on the phone to some degree of success. And I said, I hope when my life ends, that is not, <laughs> that's not the defining, funny. The defining moment, but um, I, it was never yeah. really separate. And I think that's a great piece of advice, truly, um, Jill, as you know, as you stand in the middle of this, because I'm sure people are a little exhausted thinking about you doing a new, uh, a new purpose every year. I want to know if you're still doing that. Okay. I'm so excited. This is probably my favorite hobby I've ever done. (laughs) I don't know if I believe that. What is it? Ever. I had a really, really bad bout with COVID um, in uh, the month of October. I was in the hospital for a while and couldn't catch my breath. And it, it was just, it was bad. Well, when I got out and was in the recovery phase, I couldn't remember things that were very easy to remember before COVID and trying to run a company and um, speak and all the things that I I need to do to keep my brain sharp. Mm -hmm. I was losing it. Um, And simple words, things, just very easy words, like the word breakfast or actually a funny thing is donut (laughs) was one of the, we were talking about that with with you before this but I couldn't remember the oh word my. donut and I had to describe it like it's that cake oh thing with a hole in the middle and people would say you mean donut and so this year starting in on January 1st I decided my new hobby would be something to exercise my brain in the way that oh. people exercise their bodies and so for every single day of the year I would memorize one historical event that happened that day one famous person that was born that day and one inspirational quote for that day. So at any given time, I could ask somebody, when is your birthday? And then they would tell me and I would say, well, let me tell you what happened on your special day. And I would be able to recall three things for them on their special day. And so it was a way to get past COVID fog and to connect with people this year. And I, I, I'm as obsessed with this hobby as I was with making cuffs because I, I, it's a bunch of useless information <laughs> that, but I, number one, I could go on jeopardy. And number two, I have found that I'm now connecting with people instead of saying, well, what do you right. do or, for a living or what I get to say, <laughs> what's your birthday? And then we connect in a whole different way. So well, that's, that that's is, my hobby. You know, now the question I'm going to have when you get to the end of 2021 yes. is, are you going to remember every bit of it? So tell me what is, I, I haven't done the whole year yet, but I've done part October of it. So what, when is your birthday? Okay. okay. I haven't got to the tens yet. So I'm doing all the ones, all the twos, ah. all the threes, all the fours, and I'm doing it that way. And I, I do not forget a single one because I discovered this memory method that has changed my life and has changed the way that I now process information. I forgot people's names within 30 seconds of meeting them. You you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you and I were together in Uh November November. right after COVID and I would meet, I didn't know anybody and I'd, I would meet people. And the minute that they say their name, unless you commit it to memory and do this, this thing that I'm doing, you 30 seconds later you're standing there looking at them going exactly what's their name they just told me and you walk away and I think your name is the most for most people it's the most important word 
for, for most people, their name. And when you say it out loud, it makes them feel respected and important. But yet we walk away and just say, nice to meet you. But when you say, nice to meet you, Marcel, it was so such a pleasure to talk to you. It changes everything uh-huh. for Marcel. I just said her name. And so I'm I'm learning that this year. And whether or not it, it has any purpose other than to connect with people and get me out of my COVID fog. That's, I, I'll that's take that. fabulous. And, and so many people have been affected by COVID. And um, I had a good friend whose brother just uh, died of COVID. And he, you know, it is just... Um, I'm I'm so happy wow. to hear that you recovered and are, are doing something positive from it. Deantha, who is my co-host, her birthday is January 4th. And so um, do you have the fours down? Yes, it was um, Doris Kearns Goodwin's oh. birthday. Okay. Yep. And you Correct. and I saw her uh-huh. when we were together. And it is also the day in 2007 that uh, the first female Speaker of the House was elected, oh, wow. Nancy Pelosi. And then the um, scripture for that day is, uh, or the, what I memorized with, was, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5. So that is for her today. Like I said, it's a lot of useless information, but no, that's right. That. That's, that's fabulous. Um, for absolutely sure. You know, you're 51 still. So I, I'm ahead of you in these years, but, um, yeah. you know, what, when we look at the, the young women in particular coming out of college or coming out of high school or some kind of training program, do you have advice for for young women uh, just starting out? Uh, the number one thing I would tell anybody coming out of college or starting anything that has been put in their heart is do not look to the left or right as comparing what somebody else is doing or where they are on their journey, because that will stop your journey faster than anything to think. I, how long will it take me to get to where they are, or I don't have what they have? I, I would just ask somebody, what what is in your hand right now? What do you have that you have been gifted with? And that thing that you have in your hand is not what anybody else has. And to do it with such excellence, even I mean, in this day and age, everybody thinks that you can only go so far if you have so many followers <laughs> or just at least that generation. I mean, uh, and it drives yes, me crazy I understand. because that's how um, people, uh, people judge how excellent you are or are not at something based on what the world, how uh-huh. much of the world follows them. I know plenty of excellent, excellent people who are not even yeah. on social media. So I would say, number one, like, first of all, don't read comments. <laughs> Secondly, don't worry about the numbers. If you are just excellent at the gifts you have been given, you will flourish in that space, but you will never flourish if you are Mm -hmm. looking around at the gifts that other people have been given or how much of the world is paying attention to you. The world will pay attention to you when it is time and if it is the right space for the world to pay attention to you. Otherwise, do what you do with excellence. And I, I promise that. You know, work. that's that's such great wisdom, Jill, for sure. You know, I, I always like to 
end our time together by asking you your favorite books. We're, we're collecting, um, not, not quite at the level of Oprah Winfrey's book club, but um, <laughs> we are just collecting books. And, and personally, I'm a real reader. And so, therefore, I, I delight in, in what books do you love, um, business books or books for fun. I've had people list children's books. Yeah. What What are the books that you love to read or are currently reading? For my 50th birthday, my whole office, each one of them got me their favorite book and wrote on the inside why it's their favorite book, which I love yeah. that because now I have so fun. books um, that – yeah, that have meaning to other people. But one of my, uh, a couple of my favorite recent books, um, I read Unoffendable. Mm-hmm. I have have you read, uh, have I you have heard not. of Unoffendable? It, 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 it made me not, not completely, but it made me become more unoffendable um, in, in my daily life. The things people would say, like, nah, I, you just, you, you have a different mm-hmm. frame of mind on, the things people say and do, and you live in a freer space. Um, I love, it's a very small, short book, but it's one of the best books called The Greatest mm-hmm. Salesman in the World by, by Og Mandino. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it is, a, it's not necessarily, it is about sales, but it is a life book that no matter what you do, it is an incredible story. Um, of course, I love John Maxwell's leadership books. They're right. just gold, but um a lot of my favorite books are the last one I read. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, what are you, I'm curious what, what are a couple of yours? Oh, I, I want to, um, add you to know, I, I have a broad taste in books. Um, I, I will tell you, um, I, one of the, one of my favorite, um, it's a, nonfiction, if you will, um, is the tattooist from Auschwitz. And I can never say that. Oh, I can never I say that it. correctly. But I, I loved uh, the book and the life story. It's it is a true story with a lot of, or some flavoring within. Um, of course, I um, my favorite John Maxwell book is Developing the Leader Within You. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I I also love Necessary Endings. Um, was a, a good book to mm-hmm. help me, um, my business that I had done for 25 years and really 30 years within a couple different ones, uh, was kind of my heart mission, even though it was a, uh, for-profit business. And so I, um, you know, I, I had a hard time just, um, closing that door. And as I look back two and a half years later, um, I, it was the right time, but it was, um, it, it's hard to close something that you're not in, in your heart, not really, really ready to close. So, you know, Necessary mm. Endings was yeah. a great book with that. Um, I, I have so many, we would be here all the rest of the day talking about um, just different authors. And I agree with you. Sometimes my uh, favorite book is the last one I've read, um, but I, you know, I just I love to learn something new. I, I got to tell you, you have <laughs> it was certainly inspired me, but not to learn the harmonica. Well, I I just have one. I'm sending you a harmonica. <laughs> oh my I'm sending gosh. You a harmonica for your birthday. Uh, 
So, um, you know, I will say, <clears throat> I, I have one, one more really imp important question to ask you, and that is, uh, can you speak Russian? Yes, I can speak Russian. I went and spent a summer over there. I kept up with learning it. Um, and again, in my head, I'm much better <laughs> than I actually am. But um, I, have, I have found that learning a language at 10 and then uh -huh. just sticking with it when you meet a Russian person in the States, their eyes light up when, even if you just say, hello, how are you in their language? And I loved that feeling that I, and I still do when I get to meet somebody from Russia and I just say, um, you know, uh, even just like, uh, oh my gosh. I, I usually, I have this whole phrase that I say because I say it really well but it is uh -huh. I think you are a beautiful person but when I'm saying it to a man um it's just it's a very awkward <laughs> yes. moment it's um and because I usually yeah. say you're a beautiful woman and um and it just doesn't go well and then they turn and walk away so I have to work on talking to a man in Russian but no I'm not I'm not great at all I just I can Oh, that, you know, now. that's fabulous. I, I was wondering because, you know, they, they say um, that children who learn languages early will have a more of an ease with languages in general. Now, I've got to say, I've never met a 10-year-old before that wanted on their own <laughs> to learn Russian, but I, I yeah, I that will, was then. That was then. That about you. So, do you tell us, Jill, how Buddy. people get in touch with you? Tell us your contact. How they okay. can get a rustic cup. Sure. Um, how how do they find you in Tulsa, Oklahoma? We actually have a web. Uh, we have a website. It's rusticcuff.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook um, as Rustic Cuff. We have six actual showrooms, um, stores. We just got into Disney yes. Disney World. Um, right before the pandemic hit. So we are in Dallas. We are, sorry, we're in Plano. We are in Oklahoma City. We're in Tulsa. We are at, at Disney. And we have a couple stores in Tulsa. And uh, they can come to one of our showrooms and all the women that work there are amazing. Or they can find us online um, and uh, find us online that way. And I'm, I'm Jill at rusticcuff.com. I don't normally give that away, but, um, but just because I love you, I just think, why not just why say not that? Why not just say that out now, loud? Um, uh, people, exactly. People write the nicest, the <laughs> nicest, kindest emails and letters. And I, that just brings joy to me to read that. So I just decided I, I'm going to just, I like to convert. You know what, Jill? I have just enjoyed this um, hour together. And I think, I think people, men and women, uh, because, you know, I have all these boys, so I force some of them to listen to my podcast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, I think what you have to say is is great wisdom, and it's a delight to just talk to you. And I'm just honored that you would uh, share your wisdom with people out there. And I I know you are in the Shops of Legacy here and in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and and I, um, I, I know if anyone's around, they can find your stuff, um, you know, close, close yeah. to home. So thank you. Um, thank yeah, you, thank uh, you so much for today. Thank you, Marcel. I so enjoyed it.